Welcome to episode nine of The Player and the Journalist with Jillian Riley and David Vick. In this episode, we will be discussing differences between the men's and women's game as it relates to the NCAA tournament. Jillian, episode nine, newly hired at a startup. How, how's it going? <laughs> yes, very exciting. It's going well. Um, it's been a while, but I've been pretty busy. Um, lots of you know, sort of exciting things happening in my life. I did just start a new job. Um, my first full week. Yeah. My first full week this week. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun. I'm happy to be back here though, discussing, um, lacrosse. It's it's a nice change of speed for me. Awesome. And also we are in December now. So that means Santa Claus coming to town. Okay. And then we, (laughs) we also had some big lacrosse news. Unfortunately, some sad lacrosse news come out in the last week about Izzy Skane. Any quick thoughts on her missing the upcoming season? Yeah. I mean, it's always so disheartening seeing, you know, any player go down with an ACL injury. Um, I've been fortunate enough not to have to handle something like that, but I've definitely, you know, been by the side of a lot of my teammates who unfortunately have, and, you know, there's, there's never anything that you can say in the moment that's going to sort of fix that. And, you know, you sort of have to let yourself feel, and I'm sure she's letting herself do that um, right now, but you know, there comes a time where you wake up one morning, you turn the page and you just start the recovery process. So, um, but my heart goes out to her and her family and her teammates. Um, You know, it's never an easy thing to deal with, but knowing her and knowing how much of a stud player she is, we, we played for, same club team so um you know I know she's gonna bounce back and she's gonna be better than ever so play for the same club team very interesting fact fun facts from Jillian that is very interesting okay shout out Mass Elite yeah (laughs) all right so we are going to start with the roster and bench limit sizes and this data is from the 2019 NCAA tournament as released um there was a study done and the IWLCA released some of the findings on their Instagram on November 18th. So I have the numbers in front of me. Okay, so we will start with the roster and bench limits for the D2 and D3 women's lacrosse teams compared to the men's lacrosse teams and the 2019 NCAA tournament, which is where the data is from. So roster sizes, men get four more players, 32 compared to 28 for women. The travel party is also four more, and so is the bench size. Any initial thoughts on that from you, Jillian? All I will have to say before you answer is makes no sense. That's the, my only note I have in preparation for this episode. Makes no sense. Go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, honestly. It just, you know, it just sort of makes you think, like, who who's in charge of sort of determining this and, and why does there have to be a difference? Because, you know, there has been over the past year so many, you know, sort of inequalities between men and women's sports in general and you know the whole um ncaa march madness basketball tournament that whole scandal came out in terms of you know the gender inequality issues in terms of the tournament style there um so you know you sort of see that same sort of idea you know maybe not as drastic but you see that same sort of idea in um these roster sizes and and travel roster capacities it's just you know, why, why do they get a couple more players than, than we do? And what does that sort of say about the NCAA and, you know, what they're sort of trying to, you know, get at with that. It's just sort of frustrating as a female athlete to see, you know, year after year, 
in, in some people's eyes, small changes, but it really does. It's really a, a big change when it comes to, you know, talent and, and how much talent you can bring with you. Um, you know, it makes real differences in, in the game. So it's definitely frustrating. And I agree with you. It doesn't really make, make much, much sense. For sure. So in terms of, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, they're all three like blasphemous, but for the roster sizes. So if you want to, if the NCAA wants to use the argument that, well, the roster size is bigger. So therefore the, the travel party and the bench size is bigger. Um, well, if the travel, if the roster is bigger, then why can't the women just bring everyone they have? Because I know at Mercer, not everyone makes the travel roster for road games. And that it's like that at a lot of schools. So if the rosters are smaller, why don't you just let them bring everyone? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't understand the reasoning or the logic behind it. I don't really think there is any logic. Um, and even for the travel party, going off my own experience when I was at Mercer two years ago, like I traveled with them to all their road games before the season ended because of COVID. So I guess I was part of the travel party. I don't really know. I never really thought of it like that. Um, but I, I, do, I don't see why it's a different it's a different number. I, I just for the life of me, I cannot figure that out. Yeah. Uh, I think too, I think, I think everybody who you bring is technically a part of the travel party. So whether it be trainers, administration, um, like media staff, I'm pretty sure they're all included in that travel party, which again, makes you sort of scratch your head. But um, actually this past year for us was the first year that we actually had a travel roster. Um, Typically we had smaller rosters, so we could travel everybody in the past, but this year, you know, we had more people on our team than could fit and it was hard and it really does create sort of a divide on the team. And it's a huge culture shift as well, because, you know, you're, you're telling everybody to show up and, and work hard and compete every day. But then, you know, at the end of the week, if the game's on a weekend, you can't travel everybody. So um, definitely something that I think is worth, you know, sort of looking at and reevaluating in terms of you know, if the rosters are smaller, why not be able to travel everyone to your point? Right. And so if men's teams do have larger rosters, which I believe they do, because I believe they have more on scholarship, which is a whole nother topic. But if you're allowing 42 for the men, then just allow 42 for the women. And most teams aren't going to have 42 female players on their team because that's a lot. That's a pretty big number, I would say. So if they don't reach the full 42, well, okay, no big deal, but at least give them that ability for teams like a North Carolina or a Boston College or a Maryland that has a ton of players. Let them let them go and be a part of it because like you said, not being with the team is kind of a big deal. And it's kind of like, obviously I'm not a college athlete. So, and you didn't experience this because as you said, as you said, Boston College just created a, a travel roster this past season, but I would, I would imagine that's a lonely experience to not be with the team and not to be experiencing that and just to feel left out. So if everyone can go, then let everyone go. I mean, like I said, 42 is a big number. So NCAA, get your junk together because this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, I agree. It just, it just is. And it's definitely frustrating too from like a leadership standpoint, um, you know, having to have tough conversations and, you know, keep people motivated and there's almost like not much you can say um to a close teammate it's just it's one of those things where you sort of have to power through and either let it break you down or let it sort of motivate you to work harder the next week but you know anyone especially you know who's who's committed to playing in college um 
you know, shouldn't have to, in, in my opinion, battle against the men's league in terms of whether they're able to travel or not. So it's unfortunate. Absolutely. So honestly, that's all I have to say on it because I feel like there's not much to say. It doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, that's how it is. But do you have anything else before we go on to venue capacity? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's just definitely something worth reevaluating, like I said. And um, there's got to be, I think, at some point, some some pull and some leeway. Um, you know, if we're not getting the same amount of scholarships, and why are we at least getting the same travel roster size or, you know, roster size in general? So I think there's got to be more of a balance. And, um, you know, people on the board need to work a little bit harder to sort of, um, you know, close that gap. Because right now, I think it's it's super frustrating. For sure. And um, shout out to the IWLCA for sharing these findings. Um, and I would just to piggyback on what you just said, I feel like coaches really have to push for these changes. They're the ones that are in the power of the coaches. Um, so I feel like those are the ones that need to push for this change. Moving on to venue capacity. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because most people think, oh, just get the biggest venue you can possibly get and play in that but I don't think that's the best decision. So what are your thoughts on the venue capacity as it relates to men versus women? For anyone that does not know and has not seen the studies or the study that the IWLCA put out or just watch men's games on TV versus women's games. The men's teams play in a lot of bigger stadiums and they're mostly empty for the most part, but they're playing in these big stadiums. So for the 2019 D1 Men's Championship, it was played at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, which is where the Philadelphia Eagles play. The Link, okay? Pretty big stadium. It was, it has a max capacity of 67,594 people, and it was 46% full in 2019. Okay, 46% full. That's not a really good look on TV when you got half the seats empty. Just going to throw that out there. Then you have the women's tournament in 2019, which Jillian Riley was a part of. Absolutely insane, insane. Okay. It was in Baltimore at Homewood Field, uh, where Johns Hopkins University is. It's on the campus. Okay. Max capacity 8,500. The total attendance was 106%. So it was over capacity. And you can go back and watch the games, hit up YouTube. Look up North Carolina versus Boston College. The atmosphere was insane, okay? Jillian Riley's going to have to talk about this because there was standing room only. There were people lining the fences. It was insane, okay? It looked amazing. And guess what? That was with a capacity of 8,500 max, okay? Much smaller stadium, looked much better on TV, and it definitely was a much better atmosphere. So I don't know where I'm going with all this other than to say that I prefer smaller venues. Jillian, you're on. Take, take the mic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, first off, yeah, that final four tournament was probably the craziest out of all of them, um, in terms of venue and capacity. Uh, you know, I think, I think like to your point, the atmosphere was unbelievable and, you know, being able to play on a stage like that surrounded by fans. So they were on both sides, which was sort of different also typically, uh, everybody was on one side and yeah, there was, you know, no open section of the stadium. Everybody, you know, filled the stands. And, and like you said, people were, you know, standing, lining the fence. Um, 
and you know, it's sort of, it was what a final four tournament in anyone's mind is, is supposed to look and feel like, um, it was exciting for the players. It was exciting for the fans. Um, you know, each team had their own massive cheering section and, uh, you know, the fans are going back and forth. So it was, it was super fun to be a part of that whole experience. And to your point, you know, with, with, on the men's side of things, having, um, such a big venue and only filling, you know, 46%. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it takes away the excitement a little bit, honestly. Um, you know, it might be fun for them to play on a stage that big. Um, but to be honest, I, I would never have traded, um, you know, that final four tournament in Hopkins. It was unbelievable. And I think the more fans, the better in, in a smaller venue, I would also choose over, um, you know, any large, large stadium. And I sort of think back and compare it to my freshman year when we played in Gillette, which was, I mean, the last time the men and women's tournament was at the same venue um, was my freshman year. And as exciting as that was, you know, you know, for me and other um, Massachusetts Patriots fans, exactly <laughs> being able to play in Gillette, it was awesome. Um, but again, in terms of the atmosphere, it, it just didn't even compare. Um, you know, the fans were farther away uh, from the field that wasn't even close to being filled. So as much as our neon shirts, <laughs> you know, try to stand out, it, it didn't really make too much of a difference, to be honest. So um, that's those are sort of some of my initial thoughts. Um, but I think, you know, I think there's definitely more to dissect, but I would also go the smaller venue route. Yes, absolutely. And I will say just a quick story about the 2019 Final Four. Watching that on TV, seeing Sam Puzo's game winner, I, I, I called my mom. I was like, Mom, I got to go to Baltimore, okay? I got to go to watch this championship game. I had a 2007 <laughs> Ford 500. It wasn't very – 2007, kind of old at the time. So, And it wasn't <laughs> the best car. It had some issues with it. I was like, Mom, I got to go to Baltimore. I have got to see this game, okay? And so she was like, I will let you take my car if you can find someone to go with you. I called my friends. No one could go. Screw them all. Okay. So long story short, I couldn't go to the game, but oh my gosh, I wanted to, I wanted to so bad. My stomach started hurting. I wanted to go so bad. So anyways, it's probably a good thing I didn't, I would have been in the stands crying, but anyways, that, that atmosphere made me want to be there so badly. Like, and I don't even like going to sports games because I feel like why go to them in person? You can watch them on TV, see the replays enjoy some AC, go to the bathroom without waiting in line, you know? But anyways, <laughs> that atmosphere was insane. I wanted to be a part of it so badly. So anyways, amazing atmosphere. Yes. Going back to the men's. So 46% full, quick math, somewhere around 33,000 people there, which is a lot of people. That is great. But imagine if you put 33,000 fans, talking about for the men's, if you put 33,000 fans in a venue that can hold 31,000, that's going to look a whole lot better, and the atmosphere is going to be a whole lot better than it is playing at these NFL stadiums. They go between, like you said, Gillette Stadium. They play where the Eagles play. They play um, in Baltimore where the Ravens play. They, they go back and forth between these stadiums, and they're half empty. It's like that doesn't look good for TV. People don't want to advertise when it's half empty. But then if you go to a smaller stadium like Homewood Field, oh, my gosh, you can't see a seat anywhere. Everyone is packed. That looks great. That's the atmosphere. And with the smaller venues, like you said, the fans are more on top of the players. They're more on top of the game. They can influence the game more. Bring in the nerves, baby. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
it, it just doesn't make any sense to me why these people in charge do not choose the smaller venues and to go okay never mind go ahead yeah <laughs> no i just have a couple of thoughts on that i think uh you know in terms of um the nerves and the excitement you you know everybody's goal is to make it to that that tournament um you know at the end of the season and you know a huge part of it and feeling you know that you're you have finally made it to the big stage and you're there is the atmosphere of the stadium um you know if you compare it to even like the conference tournaments like the ACC tournament um you know ne- not never as nearly um as big of a crowd as the final four tournament but you know you sort of as a player like you dream of that moment and you know although nerves are a factor i think it's more excited nerves than you know sort of mental nerves and i just sort of remember you know looking up and you know taking it all in enjoying the moment but also just just staying focused and sort of using it to you know fuel as a as opposed to sort of break you down but yeah as a player it was it was unbelievable um it was such a fun experience um definitely wouldn't have traded it but um yeah i know you still have some more thoughts on that so <laughs> like i said i have a lot to say about this when it comes to the postseason in any sport it's all about the atmosphere the atmosphere is what gives you the energy it's what gives fans the nerves Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Oh my gosh, Sam Boozer just hit the game. Well, that's what just happened. But anyways, the the atmosphere it it creates all the energy. If you were to take that Sam Apuzo game winner, just because we're focusing on the 2019 numbers, if you took that Sam Apuzo game winner and you put it in Gillette Stadium and there's 8,500 people there, it's not gonna be remembered like it was. It's just in my opinion. The atmosphere, seeing the fans go berserk, seeing that the thrill of victory versus the agony of defeat, like that's what makes moments so crazy. And no matter what the sport is, you can go any sport you want. The thrill of victory versus the agony of defeat. We feel for the people that lose. We're happy for the people that win. Obviously, fan base is a little different story. But as unbiased journalists, that's how it is. So <laughs> it, it, the atmosphere is everything. If if Boston College in Maryland was it no not Maryland Boston College in North Carolina played that semifinal at Gillette Stadium and it's half full I'm gonna be watching on TV this is crazy but I'm not gonna want to be there you know mm-hmm. when it's standing room only and they're you they're just packed in there man I want to be there I want to be a part of that you know mm-hmm. I want to be at the concessions give me a coke you know <laughs> so I just feel like the atmosphere is everything mm-hmm. everything 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 yeah and let's see. Another point on this that I wanted to point out, two things. So the PLL, the Professional Lacrosse League, Premier Lacrosse League, Professional mm-hmm. Lacrosse League. Yeah. I'm, I focus on women's lacrosse. Anyways, <laughs> so they have these massive stadiums that they've been going to for a few years now, and they're never full. I'm just like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it just does not versus the WPLL, and that was still a thing. We went to these small venues. We played at Yale. We played at um, a local travel tournament. And while there might not have been 20,000 people there or even 8,000, the venues, the atmospheres were really good because you got the fans all in there in the standing room only. And if you go back and look at the U.S. women's national team when they played in Texas a few weeks ago and there were fans all around the field and the players were just 
like you could just tell it was a different kind of atmosphere and mm-hmm. you don't need to be in these monstrous stadiums with flies and dust on the seats you don't need that go to these small venues pack them out it looks better on tv creates a better atmosphere if it looks better on tv you're going to bring in more advertising okay you're going to if people see it on tv oh this is sold out that's interesting this must be pretty popular versus if it's half empty it just doesn't make any sense to me it just mm-hmm. it blows my freaking mind <laughs> yeah no it, it, it does and i think you made a good point about you know everyone's obviously coming to watch the the athletes play but i think you know when you think of sports from a broader perspective everybody's a part of a part of that story so you know the fans are coming to get the full experience you know they're coming to watch their favorite players but you know they're coming to be a part of the hype they're be they're coming to you know be a part of the the suspense of the game um the ups and the downs and yeah i think i think you make a lot of good points in in terms of it you know drawing more attraction on TV and people wanting to be there from home and getting more people to tune in when they see such packed stadiums. But I think overall, um, in terms of trying to grow the sport and specifically women's sport, I think, you know, they stick to these smaller venues and they, they try to pack it. And, you know, obviously COVID is a fact, still a factor these days, which is unfortunate. Um, but definitely once we're through with this pandemic, I think that's sort of the route that, they ought to take in terms of just growing the sport and, um, you know, making it just as fun for the players, the coaches, the fans, everybody involved. So hopefully they, um, you know, sort of, sort of fall back to that Homewood Fields uh, experience in terms of sort of constructing these next um, venue capacities for um, the final four tournaments to come. For sure. So I have a question for you. I have actually, let's see. Yes, I have one question for you and then I have another p- point. But yeah. just going off what you just said, you really summed it up. It's about when you're in person, it's about the experience. Because I think anyone, especially nowadays, TVs are so good. The cameras are so good. You you can view the game better on TV than you can in person. You can see it up close when the ball's on the other side of the field versus if you're in person, you can't really see that. So the whole point of going to a sporting event in person is the experience. The atmosphere is that's, that's the experience when, since you're from Boston, you know, yeah, you go to Red Sox games and they're singing sweet Caroline. You're not going to be singing that from your living room. You sing it from (laughs) your seat. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it, the experience is everything. The, the fan experience is everything, just everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I wanted to point out that, the championship venues have already been locked in through 2026. Okay. Were you aware of this? I think so. I forget where they are though. Okay. So in 2022, it's going back to Homewood field after being at Johnny United stadium um, at Towson in 2023 and 2024, it's going to wake med soccer park in Cary, North Carolina, which is about an hour and a half from North university, of North Carolina, had to look it up. Never heard of it. It looks like a nice venue. Looks pretty compact. Never heard of it. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and then in 2025 and 2026, it's going to Gillette Stadium again. Okay. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of that. I just got to be honest. I'm just not a fan of that. Um, but anyways, so I wanted to point out that Homewood Field, obviously mentioned earlier, has a capacity of 8,500 people. 
Wake Med Soccer Park has a capacity of 10,000. So in 2023 and 2024, that will be interesting to see. Can we get an extra 2,000 fans there and sell it out? So I think that will be an interesting viewpoint on the growth of the sport. It obviously depends what teams are there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if North Carolina is in the Final Four and it's in North Carolina, they're going to get a lot of North Carolina fans. If North Carolina is not in the Final Four, that's going to affect attendance. So there are, there are variables that affect this, but that will be very interesting. Um, any thoughts on those venues and mm-hmm. where might you want to see a national championship played? Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously they're trying to tailor to, d- to different regions and, you know, obviously different fan bases, which I think is awesome. Um, but I think I think it is a little strange in, in terms of venue capacity, how different they all are, um, you know, and having played in, in so many different um, venues, Homewood Field being one of them, Gillette Stadium being one of them, um, you know, even sophomore year, thinking back to like Stony Brook, which was also another very small venue and created such a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, why they would make changes after seeing um, Final Four atmospheres, such as the 2019 Homewood um, Field one, you know, they, they are going back there again. But again, if you see you know, such great turnouts year after year, why change it back to somewhere like Gillette? You know, there are other stadiums, you know, up here um, in New England that I think would be awesome. Even something like Harvard Stadium, the Coliseum, or, um, you know, BU Stadium. I played a couple um, state championships there in high school and it was awesome. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's thinking of little places like that um, again, to, to fall back on our point of just being able to pack the stadium. I think, you know, Gillette, I know the fan bases are growing, so maybe it, it will be more full, full than it was um, my freshman year. Um, so we'll have to see, but it's definitely different. There's, there's a lot of differences, I feel like, across the board with those venues. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the turnouts are like. For sure. So I like the point you said uh, they're trying to kind of – Taylor or not Taylor but put the championship game in different regions obviously everything right now is on the east coast which I feel like it should be um but it's kind of like you said if it's not broke don't fix it okay 2019 Mm -hmm. the best atmosphere just amazing I understand they have contracts with these um stadiums I and obviously stadiums are very they're high in demand with concerts sporting events um there's all sorts of stuff that goes on so they do have to book these at least a few years in advance um but i hope that they seriously take into consideration the size of the venue because i think it would be good for it to rotate um just like it does in college football for example they rotate between like four or five different stadiums it's just a different one each year but it's the same four or five Mm -hmm. um so it'll it'll be interesting but you kind of just answered this, but if you could give me one answer on where do you want to see the national championship played? If you could choose one venue, what would it be? And this, we'll wrap it up with this. Hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. It I could think... be anywhere, any venue, any sport. Anywhere. United States based, obviously. Hmm. So I, I feel like there's a lot that goes into this because obviously I'd want to say somewhere different, like not on the East coast because you know, I feel like that's typically where they fall, but that's also where, you know, 
most the of fans, the fan bases yeah. as well. And since we've been talking about atmosphere, um, you know, this <laughs> this whole time would be, you know, a little bit off to to go someplace, you know, in the Midwest or or the West Coast. So if I had to choose, let's see, a place to have the national championship. I mean, I know this is biased, but I'm just thinking like <laughs> alumni stadium at BC would be unreal. Like the stadium's huge. They could But it's fit. not too huge. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's not too huge. Um, I think it would be, you know, just thinking of when like football games are packed. It's just like, it's almost just like sort of electrifying the sound because I'm comparing it to like Homewood Field and that was crazy. But I think Alumni also has like an extra um, like balcony layer higher. Um, so, you know, I think it would offer... Uh, up some more capacity there um so I think that would be awesome but also again I, I already said it but Harvard Coliseum I think would be a, sort of a different change of pace and and also really awesome in terms of that that stadium feel having you know the higher balconies and having fans um you know but again not not being bigger than Gillette I think I think that's almost too big so I'm gonna go BC Har- or Harvard very interesting. So I cannot fault you for saying alumni stadium because I actually thought of that before we came on because I was thinking Gillette, but what's a stadium that's not as big as Gillette alumni stadium. And it, like, I've never been there, but it seems like it's fairly compact um, based on what I've seen. So I, I have a, a, a venue for you and it is in the Midwest. Okay. okay. You said no Midwest, but I think that Come Final Four time, the fans will travel, especially mm-hmm. if you have the blue bloods of the sport in there. That's okay. true. Yep. So my dream venue right now, if I could pick one, if I could, if I could choose it, if I was in charge, we're heading yeah. to Northwestern and we're playing that national championship right on the water, baby. That's mm-hmm. where we're playing it. I don't care if it's okay. snowing. I don't care. Well, it would be summer, so it wouldn't be snow. But <laughs> right on the water, okay. I think that would be amazing. That would be, oh, I'm an artsy person, right? I love me a good picture. Oh, put that, just get, get, get a little panorama frame. It, okay. <laughs> That's going in the crib because that would be a beautiful image. I would, Oh my gosh. Okay. The, it's a pretty new complex. Um, Northwestern has amazing facilities. Go follow Northwestern and you on Instagram. If you don't believe me, they're always posting about them. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's a small venue. I, I went and looked it up. Okay. So the permanent seating max is only 2000, which is a little low. But I think that you could add, no, I think, I know that they could add temporary seating just like they did at Homewood with the extra bleachers. And, you know, it wouldn't, I mean, I don't know, it wouldn't be 10,000 people, but man, it would look good. I'll tell you that much. It would look good. So I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I think that would be picture perfect um, and, you know, sort of a different change of pace but yeah northwestern does have some good facilities there that field house they just built unbelievable i actually never got to play on that field outside um i know y'all played on the indoor stadium right well but we yeah we played inside in the field house um that was a very high scoring game very high scoring yeah where's your defense jillian i know right oh crease slide right now (laughs) there you go yeah it's too long ago i don't even really remember but um but yeah that was awesome they have some great facilities and i think that field would make for um an awesome final four tournament and to your point some awesome pictures with that background so 
Can't disagree. There might be some, there might be some marriage proposals going on in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, post-game proposal, why not? Yeah, so that would be my dream stadium. All right, so any final thoughts before we put a bow on our ninth episode on this December day of 2021? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the ninth episode, but um, no, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about some great things. I think we raised um, some pretty valid points. I, I hope that, you know, in, in terms of uh, back to our first conversation about roster sizes and, and travel rosters, I hope, you know, maybe not next year, but a couple of years down the line, we start to see that gap close um, just in terms to make the, the, the men and women's game a little bit more um equal there but yeah I think and then moving on to venue capacities and um you know final four experiences I think you know there are ta- tailoring to different regions and with the moving of, of the venues but yeah I think you know this the atmosphere and creating that full experience for everyone is is um you know really important but I think we had a good conversation and hopefully you know, somebody listening out there will, will sort of hear our thoughts and continue the conversation also. For sure. Just got to keep getting changed year by year. Other exactly. than these, some of these wacky rule changes. What the? Okay. Anyway, that, <laughs> is, episode, <laughs> that is episode nine, folks. We will be back either later this month or in 2022.